Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me today is Taylor Dammel. No shark, but we are brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. This episode of Feet is also brought to you by Beach House Soaps. No matter where you live, bring a little bit of the beach to your home with Beach House's all-natural soaps. Independence Day, 4th of July coming up. Uh, it's going to get messy. It's going to get dirty. Barbecue, ketchup, mustard, relish, Maybe even uh, not not to not to take a, a, a turn to negative town, but a lot of people will be drunk. I'm sure there's going to be some blood drawn. Uh, make sure you get beach house soaps to clean up all your messes, whatever it is, from ketchup to blood. Yes, uh, find them at beachhousesoaps.com. Your college hooper of the week this week is Marcus Georges Hunt, former guard from the Georgia Yellow Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. I love a good name, Taylor, and I know you do too. A good three name right with the middle name or a hyphenated name where you can really put a heavy emphasis on that middle name like i just did right there uh marcus george's hunt big night as well for atlanta they tie up the series with the bucks uh sad news about Giannis. i don't think any diagnosis or anything has come out of that but they win without trey young uh the hawks really showing some metal do you think atlanta has a chance to actually pull this off and win two out of the next three yeah i mean yeah without Giannis on the other side I, I, why not? I mean, especially if Trey Young comes back. I mean, who are you picking to lead your team, Chris Middleton or Trey Young, right now? Well, I'll tell you what. If you had asked me that question after Game Three, I'd probably say Chris Middleton. If I'm being honest, uh, he was on fire. But I know it's a fair it's a fair question. Chris Chris Middleton ain't going for 48 ever. Okay, like, I'll, I'll just point. put that out there. Okay. I mean, look. If you're asking me who's way more fun to root for, the guy who's like a two-time all-star to maybe three-time all-star in Chris Middleton, who doesn't really make any sort of waves or the guy who's now been dubbed the villain of the NBA, which I don't understand. Like I understand why teams don't like Trey young, but I don't understand why he's this sort of super villain, but that's a whole nother uh, story. But yeah, Trey young's way more fun to root for. I, 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 go, will, I, I will say that. Can I go back to beach house soaps here for a second? I bought the bonfire. Um, uh, solid, not like one of the pump ones, one of the actual like solids. And I, I, I don't use it because it smells so good in my bathroom that it, like it, even it just sitting there makes my bathroom better. And I don't even need to use it on my hands. I've got my, I've got my spa day and my rose or, uh, uh, pumps from beach house, but that bonfire one, it's crazy smelling, you know, some would say, uh, that, the Bucks could use some beach house soaps to wash away this Giannis injury and loss here tonight. Uh, but I, I'm not going to say that, but some could say that. Look, we're recording late here. We're trying to get this out on the last day of the month, Taylor. I'm going to excuse that uh, terrible, terrible reach, but you know what? That is what you bring to the table. I know that's what you bring. Uh, it's your type of humor and I appreciate it. So the effort on the last day of the month is not going unnoticed, but yes, shout out Atlanta, shout out one more time, beach house soaps, make sure to check out our website at the barnburner.com. That's the dash barnburner.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore 
BB. Let's open the curtains. Taylor, welcome back. Last episode, we had to forge on without you, but it is good to have you back. Hey, how was trivia? Uh, a second place finish tonight. Uh, unfortunately, we were tied for the lead going into the lightning round, which is the last five questions of the night, 30 seconds each. We only got four out of five. Um, I will give one piece of advice to any bar trivia goers out there. The bar trivia that I go to, it's a, it's almost like a confidence pool you have points one through nine to use on the, on your answers, right? Uh, Nine being obviously the one you're most confident in and one being the least. It's not about the number of questions you get right. It's point allocation is the, uh, is the key to the game here. It's almost like an effective shooting percentage for us us basketball fans out there, right? Well, it's like you got to know your strong suit when the category is brought up, right? Right. So here, let me just throw an example out there for you, Sue. Let's see where you fall on this. So the sport, one of the sports questions tonight is what is the nickname for the, for the NFL football? It's literally on the ball. What, what do they call an NFL football? Wait, are they are they asking like what the acronym for NFL is? No, 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 no. So what do they call a football? Like it's it's literally in in a, a signature, so to speak, on in every NFL Wilson football. Official call, game ball. I don't know. It's, they call it the Duke. The Duke. The Duke. So, yeah. So I put nine on that because I knew I was right. Now you see that's the key is finding the proper point allocation for the ones that you know. Well, so the let me ask you this. Point allocation, is it like, do they just tell you sports and then you put nine and then you get an obscure question like that? Because as you know, like they'll say, here, here's the category sports and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty confident in my sports knowledge. And then it'll ask you, which, what was the name of the jockey's brother who won the Kentucky <laughs> right. Derby in 1972? Like, I don't know that, right? Well, that's, or that's is just it they, the risk. They, but, but here's the thing. Do they ask you the question and then you wager, or is it just the category? Because you clearly knew the answer to that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you wait until they only let you know uh, three questions in advance what the um, what the category is going to be, and then you when you after the question you can wager on your sheet how confident you are in that answer. It's not pre 
you know, whatever. But that's the tough part is when to use your ones and your twos and your threes, because you don't want to get to the end of the round only having like your sevens and eights and nines left because then it's all still on the table there. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you got to go real rain man on this thing out there with point allocation. So that's what I feel like I bring, I bring two teams to the two things to the team sports. And I am the guy who likes to try and help control the point allocation for the team. Well, I think if you know it for sure, you should just go with the slam dunk, go with nine. Well, yeah, right. Exactly. exactly. And, but but it, obviously not every answer is that easy. A response is that easy. Right. Exactly. So, you know, some people, they always want to go, well, I think it's this, let's put like a six on it. I'm like, no motherfucker. If you don't know it for sure, <laughs> like then let's put like a one or two or three on. So yeah, an internal debate we always have, you know, but that's, it's team, it's, it's team chemistry, you know, it's, it's efficiency. It's just like any other team sport, you know, just um, with a lot more random outcomes, I guess, in questions. But, you know, bar trivia, you are kind of like the king of bar trivia on this on this show, I would say. I'd, I do appreciate that. I, I've had some poor runs the last time I was doing bar trivia, though, because, like I said, I mean, they have some very obscure questions. I think I do. I do like general bar trivia, though, better than bar trivia that's specific to one topic like sometimes you'll see the office bar trivia and i feel like that's because it's such a it's it's one topic you can't make it even somewhat easy it has to be like from season three episode 20 and it's about like some character like creed or like kelly kapoor not michael scott or anything like that so uh yeah i do love good bar trivia though you can just get drunk have fun with your friends but i do like being competitive at the same time in the sense that like shut the fuck up when uh the person is asking the question right i want to hear it please put your phone away i'm I'm dead serious about that do not look at your text because there's always that one person that'll text you be like hey what are you up to tonight and you say oh we're going to be at at bar trivia and that's the beauty of bar trivia is you can have as many people come through but you got to contribute and it's you can't just be like oh no, no no i'm not playing i'm just sitting at this table checking my text it's like that no, it doesn't doesn't work like that so uh that's i mean that's that's but i digress i'm getting too far into it glad you had a good night <laughs> no i was gonna say what really we've talked about this before that we need is sports trivia nights just suck or 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 there just aren't any and that's really what this world needs more of is bar like a sports bar sports trivia night um because sports questions can get dumb sometimes like how long is a basketball court you know how wide is a football field like shit that not, doesn't fucking matter you know i want to do stuff like who is the lowest era of all time and who is the most strikeouts or who is the most three has the highest three point percentage in college basketball history steve kerr you know it, you know questions like that are the ones that i would like to answer or sometimes questions that have a little bit of subjective tone to it so i was texting a couple buddies and i don't know how the hell we got down this rabbit hole but the question was a recently, relatively recently NFL head coach, former head coach that had passed away. So he recently passed away with a very distinct voice. And he I think he said, like the quote was, that was one of the greatest catches I've ever seen. He made a great catch. Who was the coach? Uh, who was the the player in question? And I'll, I can give you a hint too. Wait, okay, hold on. Say, say this one more time. <laughs> NFL head coach, former NFL head coach with a distinct voice. And the quote was, 
That was one of the greatest catches I've ever seen. He made a great catch, and he recently passed away. So those are your three context clues, essentially. Um, I'll try. I won't. I won't. I won't go too far into this. Uh, fuck. I don't know. Dick Vermeil would be the first one that came to mind, but he's probably still alive. So it's Dennis ah. Green. Oh, Dennis Green. Damn it. I think. And you know what? The the second layer to that. The person asked me who was it about. I was like, oh. Clearly, Randy Moss, right? No, I guess it was about Chris Carter. Sometimes you wow. forget Chris Carter was on the opposite side of Randy Moss there in Minnesota. Right. So, yeah, like I said, all he does, all he does is catch touchdowns. So. Yeah. So I'm glad you had a great night at trivia. Let me tell you about my night. It fucking sucked. It was useless. Completely <laughs> wasted it because I'm trying to switch my cell phone provider. I'm trying to get on a plan with my fiance, get off my parents' plan. I have zero shame, by the way, in still being on my parents' plan. Uh, but I'm trying to wean myself well. off it. I am, I am as well. I, I, I think it's worthless. They're not even called family plans anymore. They're just like group plans. I, I, I think you should just... You should just stay with the family, I think. Well, so I don't have unlimited data. And when I'm in a, in the car on a road trip, when I'm out just scrolling and I've got obviously got to be on Twitter, I'm addicted to it. Uh, sometimes I use up my data a little bit too much. And so I'm looking for some unlimited data. And it's probably best at 30 plus years of age to be on my own plan. That being said, I'm trying to go from AT&T to Verizon. AT&T, these guys just won't let me go. I'm not kidding. I spent an hour and a half in the Verizon store and the guy was like, I mean, I don't know what the hell's going on. I thought this was going to be a seamless transition. It just never, it, it didn't come to fruition. So I think like AT&T, they sent my dad, who's the account holder, they sent him a confirmation saying, yeah, this phone number is no longer part of the plan. But I'm, I'm also not, like when I put the Verizon SIM card in, my phone didn't read it. So now I'm just kind of in purgatory. I'm in no man's land, dude. I don't belong to anyone. Uh, so I got, I mean, it, it, it obviously in the moment, it pissed me off. I'm trying to get home, eat dinner. But a small part of me is like, you know what? Hat tip to AT&T. These guys will not quit. They are they are very dogged in, in pursuing me. It's almost like that movie Obsession. I think that's the movie with Ali Larder and Beyonce and Idris Elba. Like, they're just obsessed with me, I feel like. I mean, AT&T is... is Ali Larder, and in this one very specific scenario, I am Idris Elba. So that was my evening. Well, it's funny you say that because I am AT&T as well. And my girlfriend, Danielle, wants me to come over to her side in Verizon. And I am refusing to do so. I I, I don't see the merit in it. I, I, don't, I am still fully committed to like staying with the plan I have because... If I actually leave, this is what's fucked up about this whole cellular situation, right? Is if I leave my plan with my family, their bill actually goes up. It doesn't go down. Like nobody's saving money by me. I have to go get a more expensive plan with Verizon and I'm costing other people money. I don't see any reason to leave at that point. This whole discussion has actually just reminded me to pay my Cox cable bill as well. So our, my internet doesn't go out in the middle of the show. So I really appreciate you bringing this up. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, do make sure that, that you pay it. And so let's go ahead and move on. I'm sure the theater goer is just tired of us flapping our gums about our evenings. But I do want to open the show. I suppose it's not even opening the show. We're fucking 15 minutes in. But I want to talk now a little bit about accountability just real quick because uh, it is, you know, the last day of the month. And the goal coming into the offseason 
was to spit out two shows per month, which we've done and which we'll do now. And right now it's like midnight my time trying to record. We're going to edit this afterwards and get it out to you uh, today here on the last day of the month. We wanted to also get as many guests as we could. So fill every off-season spot, every off-season show, I should say, with a guest. We went over two this month, but you know what? We're going to come back in in July and we're going to get some guests. Uh, I'm going to keep trying. So uh, I just want to make sure that the people understand we're trying to deliver what you want. Um, Now, that being said, let's go ahead and actually dive into some news. It's going to be a lot of coaching talk. But Taylor, did you hear the not-so-seeker audio that came out between Wisconsin head coach Greg Gard and his seniors a couple weeks ago? Yeah, and you know, you and I are, we really feel bad when anything bad happens to Wisconsin. You know, one of the great institutions of this country, wholeheartedly love them and everything about them, you know, so I really, really, you know, it's just pained me to see them in in such peril like this. Um, But, you know, I, I, I think, I don't think the audio was necessarily bad. Do you like the actual audio itself? What came out? I don't know. I don't think it was great. I mean, obviously the biggest thing we talked about is relationship. And we kind of talked about this last night with how we're like supposed to be like a family program or like Wisconsin is our culture and we're all together. And then we brought up the example of how alumni don't come back here. And Micah talked about how at Ohio State, guys would want to come back here and that's based off relationships that they have with the people in the program and multiple guys here said like after our time here we wouldn't want to come back here or like we don't have that family atmosphere that we always promote like when guys come to our business we're like we're all together this is us and then it kind of feels like it's a lie or just a show because that's not truly how we all feel in this program and like even guys that succeeded here Frank and Nigel other guys they don't come back here all the time they're not here with us we never seen them I don't I haven't seen numerous guys since we left here and that's just because of the time that they spent here and like another guy said and I would say the same like if I after I'm done here like I don't know if I would want to come back like it doesn't feel like home even though I spent the last five years I'm from Georgia I barely go home and this doesn't feel like home away from home and I mean it's tough everyone goes through it but like we spent a decent amount of our lives here working our ass off every day. And it's like, we look at you and you don't instill confidence in us. From the first day I've been here, I felt like you never, I don't know, it's like it's been tough. Like it's just getting knocked down. And then like, I took it upon myself. Like when I started playing well here, it was when I was like, I'm not listening to you anymore. And like, that's how I succeeded here. So was to prove you wrong. It wasn't to play for you or like win games for you. It was to like show myself that you're wrong. And like these guys helped me. And part of my success here is that. And like, I don't know if I want my son, son to come here or anyone like if I would tell people to come here and play for this program because it's not, I wouldn't want anyone else to go through what I went through. And from when I first got here, I played with that 16 class from Khalil, Ethan, all those guys, people that succeeded, people that struggled, Andy, they all went through the same thing. Everyone has highs and lows. And I don't know if it's because they're inconsistent players, but like, I feel like it's inconsistent coaching or like an inconsistent program to why guys start off well and have to 
later in the season transfer or whatever it is, it's because they struggle here and it's all based on those relationships, something like And having those relationships and something to fall back on is huge. And like we said, this is college, this is a family. We're, we're not a professional team right now. So like those relationships are very important because like you said before, this is the only time in our life to where we're gonna have a group, a circle, a base that is for us. And we say that, but it doesn't really feel like that. And like we've all said so far, that's, I mean, that's really how it feels. And that's kind of where it starts. We're not saying that it's magically just gonna make us win games, but having that togetherness can go a long way. And being together can make a huge difference regardless if there are W's in the one column or else. But I mean, just that's something that needs to change, not just for us, but for the future of the program. And like you said, we wanna, we have a good senior class and you said to leave the program in a better place. And this is a conversation that we need to have, not just for us and the rest of the season, but for the future, for the rest of the guys, for the commits coming in. And it's something that could change and it can, it can benefit a long way. I mean, well, no, 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 but there wasn't anything that was like, um, it wasn't I, explosive, I guess. Yeah. Salation, however you want to phrase that. Right. I think the, I guess what I'm saying, though, is the fact that it came out, I think, is a bigger deal than anything that was said in the actual tape. I think that's the thing to take away here, right? And should we go, even though we're like 31, well, you're 31 in three days, four days, finally. Um, should we go like degradation of the youth of America here? Like, who's releasing this shit? And what are you trying to get out of it? I think was after, after I put my like Wisconsin, anti-Wisconsin thing aside, like, I guess my thought is who what member of a team or whatever is is letting this out? Who's recording it? A, B, what are you trying to get out of it? And C, like what where do you think this was gonna go? I guess. I I don't know. What what are your thoughts? Tons to unpack in that little nugget of this story. So first of all, to your point about us being old, I actually like to think that we're pretty hip to it. I think we're cutting edge. I think we understand what the youth wants. And I think we can actually relate to them far more than someone like the shark. Who's one of the most rigid individuals I've ever met. Oh no, he might as well be 65 years old. Yeah. He pretty much is. So I would say that we can relate to them. That being said, I agree in the sense that who that, I mean, I don't understand in any universe where you're playing a team sport, where a player will leak like leak this or anyone who a staff member. And I, I think people their age, like college kids would agree with that. I don't like, and I don't know who was recording it in terms of why that or the motive. I, I genuinely think they are someone, whoever recorded it and whoever leaked it went into that meeting with the intention of trying to get a little gotcha on, on guard almost to the point where, you know, how something, I mean, we started last season, the preseason by talking about Greg Marshall and some of those allegations that came out against him at Wichita state. And so th the only thing that I can think of is as a almost vindictive college kid and college kids, when you get mad, you don't necessarily think straight or in a mature fashion. I genuinely think that they said, okay, guards going to sit down with us. I want to try and Get, get him to say something that might get, get him fired because Taylor, it wasn't necessarily explosive. Some of the audio, but some of the quotes are pretty damning like Nate Reavers and, and, and Trice, I think were just basically like, look, man, after this year, I don't know if I'll ever talk to you again, <laughs> which is, I mean, it's kind of sad. 
and I, I respect Greg Gard for taking that, and it seemed like he was legitimately moved to tears. But prior to this, prior to that meeting, walking in, I think someone had the intention of saying, I'm going to record this, I'm going to leak this, and I'm going to get Greg Gard fired. Yeah, no, completely. That would be the only reason to record this, right? I mean, there's not – there wouldn't be any other particular reason in my mind. I love that Demetri Trice essentially – uh, dropped a, a, a hashtag respectfully on uh, on <laughs> Greg Gard during this when he was like, yo, dog, we're not here to build your resume with all due respect. <laughs> well, and, and actually that quote is very interesting to me because Greg Gard's not going anywhere. He's not being like demanded by other schools, right? He was an assistant under Bo Ryan. He's been the head coach at Wisconsin for six years now. He's done good enough to keep the job. He hasn't done good enough to go take another job. So that's what I thought was kind of an interesting quote here in, in all of this is was summer, someone under the impression that Greg Gart was going to like leave or something like nobody's, nobody's after him. And I'm probably making too much of that specific quote, but I just thought that one was interesting where it's like, this dude wasn't going anywhere. So what, what were we worried about? The other thing, and I'm sure you have the same exact thought that I do on this, is a uh, friend of the program, uh, J.D. Wise, former walk-on at Wisconsin, has told us on this program on multiple occasions that Greg Gard was the guy. He was the man. And Bo Ryan was the guy. was nothing. Not nothing, but he was just – he wasn't the player's guy. He wasn't the guy that connected with anybody. Bo Ryan was just kind of the figurehead. and Greg Gard was the guy who ran the program. So I find this, given given what we know about JD and his experience at Wisconsin, I mean, and the, the through the golden age of Wisconsin basketball, those couple of years, to where we're at now, I find it very interesting. And in how did Wisconsin basketball turn into something where everybody wanted Greg Gard to be the coach six years ago? All the players wanted him to be the coach, and that was a big factor, if I remember correctly, and why he got the got the job. And now you have, was it seven seniors? They've got seven seniors potentially conspiring against Greg Gard. Just one and a half recruiting cycles later, essentially. Um, well, ha- fuck. All those seniors have been there for like nine fucking years anyway, too, actually. So all these dudes are like 20. That's the other thing. These dudes who are making this tape are not college kids. I mean, they are, but like they're not. Like they're 25 years old. They probably should 19. have a bit more like emotional maturity than to like record right. that. Right. Yeah. I guess you're right. Brad Davison shockingly was the youngest senior on the team this year. Please don't there... get me started on Brad Davison. <laughs> it is so absurd to hear him complaining. Cause he's been there for what seems like years. You're right. He's a clear member of the Van Wilder house and he's coming back for more. So, so he's been there for 15 years already. Vents to guard. And he's like, I'm going to come back now for a 16th season. Well, yeah, how I don't I don't understand how that works. Right. Because his quote was that, like, I want a relationship you and I with you and I don't have a relationship with you. And then he decides to come back anyway when he he had a free pass to go literally anywhere in the country. Uh, I I don't know. You might be the alley larger in that situation. He's obsessed. Obsessed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, isn't to me. Demetri Trice is 25 years old, right? I mean, I, I'll take your word for it, I'm assuming. I know that their starting lineup was older than the Bulls' starting lineup this year. I do know that for a fact. That was discussed a couple times on the show. Zach Levine isn't recording fucking 
I can't even remember who the Bulls coach is right now. But Billy like, Donovan, yeah. Take, oh, yeah, it's Billy Donovan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh, excuse me. Um, Levine's had like three coaches too, which is funny. Enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> but, so, but yeah, I, I get, I, I guess, sorry, I, I've kind of gone long winded as per usual here, but um, I, I guess I just don't understand the point of any of it. Like, where was this going to go? I, I, I know I already said that, but I just don't understand how these 25 year old seniors thought this was going to work out in their favor. Brad Davison is still just weighing on my mind. The audacity from Brad Davison after this guy's letting you hang around his house. Brad Davison, let me tell you who he is. He's from a college, from a basketball perspective. We all we already know that he's one of the cheapest players in college basketball. He's basically the white Wisconsin Pat Beverly. Uh, he's always towing the line, and he's always somehow involved in some sort of bush league play. Except Bev has proven to be a consistent NBA player. Uh, but and and so Davison, it's just that was actually another point of contention from the seniors, and this is where I'll defend Greg Gard, is they were saying, you know what, we kind of wish that you defended Brad Davison a little bit more. I think all of us at a youth level, competitive high school, whatever. I feel like at least one of us listening to this program has had a teammate that you're just straight up ashamed of, that you're just so ashamed to be on the same team as them. I, when I was playing soccer, club soccer, I had this one guy who flopped like Europeans do. I, I think everyone knows that like American players, while not as skilled or good as some of the Europeans, there's just a difference in the way that American soccer players maybe approach the game versus like someone in Europe. But he would do the whole like if he got if he got a little bit nudged he would just completely flop like a fish and yell out loud scream, and it's like dude you are embarrassing everyone, and I, I feel like that's how I would approach Brad Davison. Yet these guys are like, hey Greg Gard, why don't you stand up for Davison a little bit more? If I'm Greg Gard, I'm like, dude, stop like punching players nuts maybe. But Davison is this that's from a college basketball perspective. Davison is like a 30, 35 year old living with his parents. And he comes down from his room in his PJ. And he's like, mom, the thermostat's too high. Uh, the, the steak was over overcooked. Like, why are my sheets not clean? These are dirty. sheets. like, who the hell are you, Brad Davison? I mean, it, his audacity is mind numbing. <laughs> this might be one of the funniest rants I've ever heard. Brad Davison is a 35 year old living in his parents' basement. I love this. I love that. Um, do you have the gall, let's call it, to call out that uh, your teammate by name right here on Nash on a national podcast, international podcast? Yeah, sure. Jesse Tanetta. <laughs> There's yeah. no way he's listening to this. Maybe <laughs> someone knows him, though. I don't know. Matt Mizowitz is a guy I think of a soccer that a goalie that I grew up playing with, and he was every time that third goal would go in during the game. His, he had to be his shoulder was fucked or his knee was out or something like that. Or, you know, we'd like to remind him, like, hey, maybe just suck, dude. <laughs> you know, like, you can't just bail. But yes, we all have one of those teammates. Um, I think Matt Mizowitz is in jail, actually. So like, that's kind of fitting uh, for this conversation. I don't think Brad Davis, I'm not trying to insinuate that Brad Davis is going to jail or anything like that. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess from here, where where do you go if you're Wisconsin? Like, so how that, do you how do you let, like recover from this with a lot of the same players still on the team? Let me ask you this, Taylor. There's a couple takeaways, or there's two sides to this, I think, and I want to know where you stand. Right? One, you could look at it like Guard genuinely cares about his players enough to have this type of conversation and was moved to tears per the report. Not sure if other Wisconsin or others would 
you know, say that they want to play for guard though, on the other hand, right? So on one hand you say guard cares enough, but on the, on the, on the other hand, you look at yourself and say, who wants to play for Greg guard if these seniors don't even like them. And obviously we love two stepping on Wisconsin. How do you approach this situation as an outsider looking at this, this situation? Well, I, I guess I should correct what I just said. There are a lot of players coming back, but not the seniors, right? So this, there's only one of this of the seven seniors is coming back, uh, which I don't, I don't necessarily think that's. I mean, we see why with the Greg Guard problem, let's call it. But a lot of seniors, no matter what school they were at, have left and gone to other schools. So that's. I don't think that's specific to the Greg Guard like situation. Um, it does surprise me that yeah, Brad Davison is coming back, but. Um, how do I approach it as an outsider? Maybe rephrase that for me uh, so I can better answer that. Do you see this situation more as, wow, Greg Gard cares enough to have these types of conversations and check himself when seniors are saying that he's wrong? Or do you see it as Greg Gard's just going to fall back into habits that have gotten him into this place and this is going to hurt Wisconsin recruiting wise, transfer wise. It's going to hurt them in terms of credibility uh, with players as they approach Greg Gard. Which side are you on? So I, I actually will. I'm not sure this is necessarily answering the question, but I will reference back to something that Nigel Hayes did, a former Bo Ryan guy and Greg Gard disciple. Let's call it right. He pushed Tyler Hero away from Wisconsin to go to Kentucky because he said that Tyler Hero, a Milwaukee-born guy, you know, a, a Wisconsin high school legend, that his skills weren't going to be uh, utilized to the best possible ability at Wisconsin. So I think if you look at that and add that as a factor into stuff that's going on here, you maybe as a recruit, you think to yourself, huh, maybe there is something wrong with Greg Gard, right? Now we've got seniors. It's freshmen have a problem with everybody, right? Like freshmen transfer 90% of the time. It feels like in college basketball, I know that's an overreach, but it really, it, that's really what it's become is like, Oh, I only played eight minutes a game this year. Fuck Greg Gard or fuck John Miller, fuck whoever. Right. When in reality, it's like, okay, maybe we get in the gym, we work out, you know, the biggest, the biggest jump you take is from freshman to sophomore year. Uh, I believe Lute Olson was the guy who kind of always uh, praised those freshman to sophomore jumps. Um, and so I think, I guess, in, in somewhat answering your question, I, I think it's almost, I don't know, I think it's almost more on Greg Gard only because we know that Nigel Hayes situation. I also don't think it's a rarity for teams to have conversations like this. So I don't think we should give him like some kind of award because he had an open and honest conversation with a team of players that he recruited when they were 17 years old. And he probably insinuated that this was going to be like a family type of experience. Cause that's what every college basketball coach does is they push, Oh, this is going to be family. Then we're going to do everything together. We're going to be, be tough on each other. We're going to be, we're going to love each other, all that bullshit. Right. So I don't think it's a rarity that a college basketball coach has a meeting with his teammate or his team. That's, I don't think he gets any credit for that. So I, I would think that I don't dislike Greg guard, but I think there's gotta be something brewing here, given what a Bo Ryan 
original person has now said or done to the to the program and now what seven players essentially have done to the program and and this is three or four years later as well this would be great and and i know I, i hate to reference him again but we do need to get JD Wise back on the program to see how he feels about this because this is definitely something that he could shed some light on. Like I said, over two this month in terms of guests, and JD's always been one of the most reliable, greatest friends of this program. So you're right. I would like to get his perspective on this as a former Wisconsin player, especially the one that has a relationship with with Greg Gard. But one point that I want to bring up that you you nailed, and I think it's very interesting, is the fact that these are seniors coming out now you mentioned freshmen, how often they transfer and you're right. The senior aspect is troubling to me because this it's almost like that, that old saying or adage, or, you know, there's this philosophy that if, I don't know, if, if three people raise their hand to speak out, that really means that, I don't know, 27 people or, or nine people, 15 people were, were had that same thought that they were just, but they were too afraid to speak out. And, and what I equate that to is if you're a senior and you're having these thoughts, it's clearly because you know you're at the end of the line, unless you're Brad Davison, but you know you're at the end of the line basically in your college career. And I, I wonder how much of this has sort of been chipping away, eroding at them and chewing at them for the past four years. Like when did they start to experience this, these experiences with Greg guard, right? I mean, was there a shift because they clearly bought into him. And I know as a 17 year old, you're probably impressionable. The head coach at Wisconsin's coming to recruit you. And you've mentioned this. If you're from Wisconsin and you go to Wisconsin, that is a monster monster deal. I wonder though when the relationship really started to break down because I, I refuse to believe that behavior changed entering senior year. I, I have to think that some of this was planted maybe early junior year, maybe even late sophomore year for these for these seniors. Yeah, you know, and even just listening to you say that makes me go back and forth how I feel about it like the overall umbrella view of this is it's not good for wisconsin basketball right we 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 know that but um i i i almost need to adjust what i just said two minutes ago and thinking that like maybe and go back to what i said originally at the at the front of this statement is 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 this the degradation the sissification i believe is what uh did who said that was that uh breen no that was jeff van gundy last Thursday. i said that right yeah. is this the sissification of basketball that uh like oh we don't like our coach so we have to do I, I, the thing that that i am right with you on is it's interesting that it's seniors though right um something had to have changed it, it, it had to have because this was a team that was ranked like fucking fourth in the preseason polls last year i mean they had they had aspirations to go to a final four with a super old team and it was super it was really weird we talked about it a lot this year about how many like losses wisconsin would have on the road this year because you would think a bunch of fucking 25 year olds going on the road to play anywhere wouldn't be rattled by anything and and they finished 18 and 13 this year super unimpressive uh, squad in, in all types of metrics. And yeah, you think, how did that happen? 
Um, do we know anything more? Has anything more, maybe I've missed it. Has anything else come out about what, what, what has happened maybe with Greg Gard over the last year or so? I don't think so. I just think that some people thought based on the audio, based on what the reports were, is that first and foremost, these players thought that they were kind of being leveraged in that quote, right? They said, I'm not here to pad your resume. So as a player, you sort of feel like, Hey, why is this guy? He may not be looking out for my best interest, uh, maybe not even the team's best interest, but just for his best interest. And then I think also the way that he was treating players uh, in practice and you know what that, that I kind of toe the line between being an old curmudgeon versus uh, like player empowerment or catering to the players, which I think you have to do. And we talked about this, me and shark talked about this last episode uh, bet- between coach K and Roy Williams, where they've achieved so much and have given the game so much. They don't need to prove anything else. And they sort of see the changing of the tide. They see players transferring far more than they were uh, it, during their heyday. And their heyday has spanned like 30 years, really. But they see that change. They see the g- introduction of the G league. They see players are, are, are more, about their brand and, and building themselves up for the draft, which is perfectly fine. That's okay. I'm, I'm all for that. But if you're a coach like Kay or Roy, who's done everything you can, why would you even put yourself through that stress? Whereas a guy like Greg guard, he's the one now that has to deal with this. He, he, can, he doesn't have a resume where he can just quit, be a hall of famer and, and just hang out. Right. Greg guard has to maneuver. He has to deal with these things. And, I think a lot of coaches are dealing with this. I feel like a lot of coaches might be in the same boat as as guard. It's just that guard now has this out in the open. We heard the actual audio, and I think you're right. You started you started the segment off by saying that is the biggest issue. And you know what, Taylor? Outside of the relationship that guard has with his players, potential relationships that guard will have with his players, past relationships. I think the biggest thing that I would be concerned of is if I'm considering Wisconsin, the hell kind of locker room am I walking into where, where whatever, like if you've been part of a sports team and in a locker room, you know, that is a sacred place. You know, that what is said in there should be kept confidential. And if this gets leaked, why would I want to be a part of that locker room? Who's to say that that like whatever I say, who's to say that if I if I rip a player or if I criticize a player, if a player criticizes me and embarrasses me right in front of the team, I'd rather stay in front of the team than the entire country. So I think that is at the like at the crux of it. There's a lack of trust shit, even among staff and players. So it, let's dive into that a little bit. Do you think it's lack of trust? Like if you're a recruit, right? like you're referencing do you think it's a lack of trust to greg guard or with greg guard or a lack of trust to or with the players who are already there on the team uh, probably players that are already there on the team because you have to infer again we don't know who leaked this or who recorded it but i well, can't imagine it's got to be a player yeah i can't imagine it was guard obviously you're one of his staff right right so I think that's an easily explainable away situation. And if you're Greg guard, you say, Hey, listen, you know, like we've gotten rid of the players on the team who are the problem. Now will, will the recruits uh, vibe with that? I, I don't know. I will say something as, as a guy who 
has half of his family from Wisconsin. I think that Barry Alvarez coming out and supporting Greg Gard it was a good move. I, I actually thought that was good because I don't like when teams don't, or, you know, athletic departments kind of hang their coaches out to dry something that we kind of, kind of experienced at Arizona, not, not necessarily in the same way, but that's a whole nother discussion that we've had like 50 times on this show. But uh, Wisconsinites don't like change and they don't like people disrupting the system. Right. So I think that this isn't going to affect how people in Wisconsin think about Greg Gard, in my opinion. I don't think it will at all. I think there's a lot of people sitting there in their cabins in the North Woods this summer who are talking about this that are like, yeah, fuck those players. Like, Barry said he's good. Bo said he's good. We like Greg. Like, he runs a clean program. All that stereotypical bullshit that people say about their college basketball programs. That's exactly what people in Wisconsin are, are saying about this right now. And I bet you there are very few states in this great union of ours here the week before July 4th, right? So we'll say this great union that will support the coach more than the players than the state of Wisconsin. Wisconsin doesn't like to, like I said, doesn't like to rattle the cage. They are definitely not a state for player empowerment or any shit like that. Like if this is going to happen to a school or a team, where nothing's going to change. Like Wisconsin is one of those states where nothing's going to change. Uh, would you agree with that? hundred percent. I can absolutely see them drinking their spotted cow with the high and tight, right? They got their high and tight buzz cuts. Uh, and they're definitely saying, and I'm pretty sure we saw some of the tweets under or the tweet responses to uh, a lot of the college basketball writers that broke this story. It was a lot of, yeah, screw those players, entitled players, brats, spoiled. And the thing, and look, this is the sad reality of the situation. Generally speaking, I would say I side on, on the players, right? Player empowerment, even in the NBA, forcing trades. I'm fine with that. I think it's the onus is on the coaches and the organization to put them in a better spot. Again, rabbit hole. But it was very much, here's, here's the reality of the situation for these players. They stunk. You mentioned the record 18 and 13, man. If they were a final four team, if they were an elite eight team, they could probably get away with this. And I think a lot of people would say, well, damn, they succeeded in spite of Greg Gard. They had all of the success, even though Greg, even though they hated Greg Gard and there was so much friction. Now it's like, well, you were eight and 13, 18 and 13. I don't give a shit. Get the hell out of here. Pack your bags. It's not like we need you back for another middling season where we can't even beat Marquette. Right. So that, I mean, I think that sort of saps and and zaps the player credibility in the eyes of like a casual fan who we've clearly come to know don't operate with nuance. They don't like it's either black or white, right? It's either, well, Greg guard, is the head coach. You need to fall in line and win games. They didn't do that. So I'm going to completely dismiss what you have to say. Now, in reality, it's probably a little bit of both. The players stunk. Greg Gard was probably an asshole to them. You mix that together. You get a very underwhelming season by Wisconsin basketball standards. So yeah, I, I definitely think that the average Wisconsin fan and the average Wisconsin resident is probably happy to see these seniors go. Yeah, did Greg Gard being an asshole to you make you shoot as a team forty two percent on the year and 
36% from three. <laughs> I mean, or I mean, 77% from the free throw line is pretty good for college basketball team. So I can't blame them on that. But yeah, there's, there's some stuff where it's some, you're just grasping at reasons why you're not good. When in reality, sometimes it's maybe just because you're not good. Right. <laughs> like that's, a re- that's, that's just the end all be all of it. You know, you, you can't be, and I, I hate to beat this point into the ground. If you guys are 25 years old and you're complaining that your coach is an asshole and you're still shooting 40% from the field at some point, maybe it's time to look in the mirror and go, Oh, maybe this is a me problem. Actually. Like I've been here for seven years and I'm not any better. You can't blame your coach every single time for every single issue that you have. So, um, should we go cancel culture on this? Is that is <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think we need to do that. But I think it, it's interesting, right? Because Greg Gard, by and large, is deemed or he's viewed as a very successful coach. Maybe not very successful, but he's a good coach. Well, so hold on, let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you. Okay, so Greg Gard went to the Sweet Sixteen twice in sixteen and seventeen. That sixteen year was when he took over for Bo Ryan, right? He won the national coach of the year, I guess, that year, which I didn't even realize by some someone's award that whatever. The next year they were twenty seven and ten and then they went to the sweet sixteen. Okay. So now we're we've gotten rid of a lot of Bo Ryan's players at that point. Eighteen they missed the tournament. Nineteen they lost in the first round after finishing fourth in the Big Ten. Twenty, they went twenty one and ten. Tied for first in the Big Ten at 14 and 6, which is actually kind of like a low record for the Big Ten. No, no tournament that year, so hard to figure out. And then this last year went 18 and 13 and then lost in the second round. So, I mean, is he as good of a coach as we give him credit for? Because the last four years, the last four years we're talking about, you know, they we'll we'll say that they made the tournament in 20 because i hate that we're taking that away from coaches now uh oh they made the tournament for the last six years well we didn't have a tournament in 20 so you can't fucking take that away from people but so three or four years but you know first one time but the other finishes in the big 10 are fourth sixth and ninth um yeah i i don't i i don't maybe maybe we're overvaluing greg gard as a coach as a whole here Look, we definitely are, but I actually, I don't know if you and I are, but I'm just talking about the national media and the landscape of college basketball. You ask Seth Davis, Jay Billis, Seth Greenberg, all these guys, they're going to say that guard is a, is a good coach because he was a longtime assistant on some of the most successful basketball teams in Wisconsin history. When you're there for that long, right? You're deemed as a really good coach. Look at a guy like uh, and and when you take over and you still make tournaments, despite the fact that they were Bo Ryan's guys, uh, but you look at a guy like Wojo, right? He was a longtime assistant at Duke, won some championships. I I, I want to say plural, but he d- at least won one championship. Went to a different school, went to Marquette, stunk. You think anyone's going to say Wojo's a good coach? I don't think so. Uh, and it's I mean it's it's unfair in that respect. But I think the fact that guard was a longtime assistant to Bo Ryan an integral part of those final four teams. And then he took over has still had some decent success. Despite the fact people don't pay attention to the fact that Greg guard took those, Bo, took the Bo Ryan guys. All they see is two sweet 16s, right? 
and then a strip tournament, even though they finished first in the Big Ten. I, I do think Guard's a solid coach, but yeah, we might we might hold him in a little bit higher esteem than we should. 45 and 43 in conference last four years. Yeah. Nice That's, little I mean, we, we, Yeah, thank you. I did I did I did do some math there. So uh one of those being tied for first, but I mean 45 and 43 in conference. I know the Big Ten likes to likes tout themselves as the best conference in America, which they are at times, but 45 and 43 for any program in there is not not impressive by by any means. So um what I guess we've talked about this for like half an hour now. So what's the end result of this, I guess, is what we need to wrap up. So in this next season, if they suck, do you think Greg guards on the hot seat? Mm. I don't think so. I don't think he's on the hot seat. I think maybe another bad half of a season following that, then yeah. But right now, I think Greg Card is guard is just fine. I think he handled it very well. And again, this should never have been publicized. You would mention, look, I'm sure there's some conversations between coaches and players all the time that lead to some, I don't know if the word, best word is spats, but you know they hash it out, right? Like grown, grown adults do. It's just that the whole world got to hear what guard said. So I think guard's fine. He issued a statement. And like I said, he, he, he basically owned up to it. He said, look, I was wrong, and I'm sorry about that. He was the one taking all of the responsibility for how these players felt, and I think that is a good look. Guard will be just fine uh, in the long term. Um, honestly, I think we're just harping on this for about 50 minutes because we've got nothing else to talk about here in the middle of the summer. I think he'll be fine. I mean, yeah, sure, that's, that's true. I I would, you know, I guess going back to um, the state of – Wisconsin, I think people probably will have a longer leash. I mean, they let Mike McCarthy stay there for like 10 fucking years too long. So they're probably not going to fire Greg guard. I'm not bitter about that. That first statement though. I don't. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to a few other coaching items. Like I said, very coach centric show. Did you hear about this Memphis Penny Shams Sharani a couple days ago said that Penny interviewed for the Orlando magic job and he was considered a pretty Decent favorite. You might have even said a heavy favorite for the magic job. But Penny came out and released a video basically saying that I'm sticking with Memphis. Good for him. He basically said he loves Memphis. He does want to be a head coach someday and potentially even with the magic. But for right now, the goal is to win a national title for Memphis and his Tigers. So he's sticking around. But that wasn't the most intriguing part. Here's an added layer to this. Larry Brown hired on as an assistant to uh, Penny. And he's going to be on the head coaching staff, or excuse me, on the coaching staff. Uh, Taylor, do you realize how how much you have to really love basketball to to be an assistant coach at like eighty years old or whatever Larry Brown is? I mean, we talked about Roy, we talked about Kay, and what they've given the game and all their accolades. I don't know if there's a greater coach, NBA and college, than than Larry Brown, someone who's won championships at both levels. We love basketball. The listeners love basketball. I guarantee you don't love basketball enough to be Larry Brown, an NBA and college champion who is now going to be an assistant at Memphis. I mean, Larry Brown is 80. And here's here's maybe even a better question. Okay. What's what shows that you love basketball more? Being an assistant coach at Memphis or being the head coach 
just two years ago for an Italian team, like with no <laughs> with no stars, not even in like Euro the Euro League, whatever. Like you have to be. It's almost too much. Maybe I'm. Res- I might respect Larry Brown less now. Like, just go retire. Like, <laughs> just like, can you have a beer and just enjoy yourself? Maybe. Um, if think of all the places that Larry Brown has coached, he was he was the head coach at UCLA like forty years ago, and then he was the head coach at Kansas like thirty nine years, <laughs> thirty eight years ago. It's crazy how many stops he's had, and I guess. The detractor to this is, uh, from Penny's standpoint, is what's the point of bringing Larry Brown in? Like, do you think some seventeen-year-old is gonna? Speaking of like the youth of the Mer- of America, like we just got on there, do you think some seventeen-year-old kid is gonna be super hyped to play for Larry Brown, who they definitely don't remember coaching the Charlotte Bobcats in two thousand nine? Well, I'll say this, and I think the Shark would agree with me. Penny's there to get guys in and Penny's shown that he can get guys in from there though, his coaching ability and the barn guys would even say this, his X's and O's, his in-game adjustments have been called into question. And so look, you're not going to use Larry, Larry Brown. I doubt is going to come on recruiting trips. I don't know. Maybe he is, but yeah, as a 17 year old, that wouldn't rev my engine. Penny Hardaway would. And so Penny comes gets you in the door and if you suck in practice guess who I'm sticking on your ass if you're not if you're not coming off a screen hard enough if you're not passing the ball at the right moment Larry Brown is going to be able to identify that and so I think Larry Brown is going to be able to hone those skills and you know what Brown and Penny I think Penny's done a wonderful job I mean the, the amount of connections and the relationships he's built in college in the NBA it seems like Penny's a guy that is always on the radar and on the minds of like everyone in college and NBA basketball. And Larry Brown also has a, has a track record of being able to get through to younger generations, right? Like you think about his track record with Allen Iverson. You think about obviously what he did with the Detroit Pistons and Rasheed Wallace. So if you want to think about guys who are super talented, but maybe quote unquote problematic, I mean, that's sheet and AI. I don't think you could, you could say that they're problematic. I don't know. Both, both legendary players, I think Larry's a, a decent hire for in-game adjustments and, and talking strictly ball with these kids. Yeah, I mean, think about this. His family came to America in 1910. <laughs> his mom, his mom came to America 110 years ago, and this dude is coaching like James Wiseman type of, type of people. Hey, man. Um, Hey, I prop props to him. I, I, I'm, this isn't a hair, Larry Brown hate sesh by any means. I just can't believe you're still doing it more than anything else. Look, I, I will say, if I'm being consistent, I've said for the past two years, Jen Beheim, go be with your family. And everyone's like, oh, well, Buddy Beheim's there. I know Buddy Beheim's there, dude. <laughs> like, I, I get that, but Jim Beheim is looking at Roy and Kay retiring, and he's like, oh, I got no issues. I'll continue going on. So if I'm being consistent, yeah, Larry Brown, go be with your family, please. All right. So do you think it's, um, this might be very minimal. I might be making uh, way more about it than is necessary, but uh, do you think there's anything that you would be afraid of if you're a Memphis fan that um, Penny actually came out and said 
oh, I'd love to be an NBA coach one day. Do you think there's an issue with that at all? Or do you think that most college coaches aspire to be an NBA coach one day? Look, this is, yeah, I don't know if that's true, but at the end of the day, like, I don't see Wes Miller, who just got hired at Cincinnati, I don't see him being like, one day I want to be an NBA coach. I think some guys are like, look, I'm a college coach. This is perfect. I can control what I can control. Obviously, the coaching stuff is is super different, right? Um, even a guy like Jay Wright, Jay Wright, who is a super hot commodity, he could probably get a lot of NBA job openings. He's like, no, why would I leave? I love being a college coach. But, and I guess this is a quote unquote drawback. I don't think it's a drawback, but when you hire a high profile guy like Penny Hardaway, you got to know that when the NBA calls, he's going to take that, he's going to take that meeting. You have to be prepared for that if you're a Memphis Tiger fan. And I think they all have the proper expectations. I think they knew that, hey, once Steve Clifford got fired from Orlando, shit, how do you think Memphis essentially got fired up and, and excited about potentially landing Penny? Because Penny's a Memphis legend. Penny's also an Orlando legend. So when that job opening came came to be, you got to understand that Penny's going to take that call. So I actually think it's good that Hardaway kind of squashed everything this early, didn't lead anyone on. And he said, look, I'm here to be in Memphis. And he was open and transparent because at the end of the day, Penny is a guy that if he wants to make the jump, you kind of have to come to terms with that. If you're a Memphis guy, I don't think he's a lifer there. Yeah. It's funny because I think, I mean, I get the, I get the esteem, I guess, of being an NBA coach, but I don't, I don't think being an NBA coach that wins a title makes you more famous than in a college basketball coach that wins a title. I think you're a bigger legend if you're a college basketball coach that wins a title versus an NBA coach. Or even like uh, a am I wrong four. on that? No, I, like, I don't right. care that Frank Vogel won a title. We know that was because I, like, I, right. I, I don't think coaching matters that much in the NBA. Skewer me for it. I don't care. Uh, Obviously, we have... we're biased because we have a college basketball podcast on an NBA podcast, so we maybe are a little more keen to college basketball people, but I just don't see if you're Penny Hardaway, you can go 23 and nine for the next 10 years at Memphis and nobody will have a problem with it. Right. I think he needs to make a couple deep runs. Look, Memphis has expectations too. Well, right. But, but as long as you're winning the conference every other year, as long as you're making the tournament, like the expectations, the bar isn't Duke, right? Like that's not what we're worried about here. The NBA, they'll fire your ass 40 games into your first season and you're fucked. I just don't think I personally wouldn't take that risk if I'm at my alma mater, a, a place that loves me, and I already proved that I can recruit well, and I probably will be given a lot more leeway than some random coach that was hired. Like They will hang on. If things start to go awry, they will for sure hang on to Penny for at least one year too long simply because he's Penny Hardaway, right? The NBA doesn't give a singular fuck about whether you were a legend or a white dude or a black dude or a what. It, it, it really doesn't matter. They will straight up fire you like two days into your job. Uh, look at Beeline. <laughs> Beeline got fired like, what, three months into being Cavs coach? <laughs> well, look, hug for Beeline. I think he actually might have straight up quit. He might have fired. I got fired. I forget. But he was also in <laughs> Cleveland, which is I mean, that, I know that there was were other, there a were... terrible career move for Beeline. Just, but that's just, what I'm saying. Like, what's I, I know that there were other like extenuating circumstances. We'll call that that go along with his 
uh, you know, sluggish ways him. there. It's there. Like they hated him. <laughs> like Tristan, Tristan. Yeah, that's I, the thing, though. Yeah, like you can't, you can't, you can't get on a guy like John or John, like Tristan Thompson, like you can, like John Teske. You know, like Tristan Thompson's gonna go out. He's going to go to strip clubs and he's gonna show up and potentially give you ten and eight, ten and ten. Like you get, that's it. And I feel like Beeline's like, oh, tis tis, like please don't do that, Tristan. And it just didn't play. And he was done, like halfway through the year. No, I know it's a lot of work being. Well, it's a lot of work being a coach for for both of these fields, of of course. You know, but college basketball is almost a 365 day a year job in terms of recruiting and stuff like that. I think you could argue that the NBA, you at least get a week off in there somewhere to go to the Bahamas or, or something. So I, I don't know. I, I know this isn't necessarily even the premise of this entire conversation, but um, if I was a college coach that had a really good job, I mean, I is Memphis Memphis isn't a top tier job, but it's about as close as you would probably get to a top tier job right i don't know why i would leave that to go to the nba just because i i think that you're like credibility or, or not credibility but how you're thought of i i think doesn't go up just because you go to the nba you know like calipari just said today or the other day that he sees in our you know he's not against going back to the nba either and i wonder like again why what is an NBA ring worth more than an NCA title to these guys? I don't, I, I don't personally think so, but I guess I, I'm obviously not in the profession. So, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys are competitive too. Calipari is one of the biggest dogs ever. And he got embarrassed when he was at New Jersey. Maybe he wants a second crack at it and get, got embarrassed when he was at Philadelphia. Yeah. Maybe he wants a second crack at it, but we'll see. Well, and John Calipari makes $9.5 million a year at Kentucky. It's not, it's, not like he's, yeah. it's not like he's taking a pay increase to go to the NBA. Right. Uh, there's an argument to say that he would get paid less as an NBA coach, I think. You know, yeah. I don't know what Penny Hardaway is is making, but nobody's gonna pay Penny Hardaway seven million dollars a year as an NBA coach. You know, I, I yeah, I just don't see the the reasoning to to why to do that. If you already have no, I see if you're just like a general coach, right? You you probably want to make the NBA because it's you're going to make more money as an assistant, all that type of stuff. But yeah, if you're a college legend coaching at your alma mater and it's an actual big time job, it's not like George Washington or some school like that. Right. Then I, I just don't see the reasoning as to why you. Yeah. Well, Penny back at Memphis, he didn't really left, but assuring that he's going to be there. Uh, Larry Brown at Memphis as well. Real quick, Taylor, before we get to your hug, Dana Altman lands Dior Johnson, who I think is like best friends with Bronny. Uh, we've seen Dior Johnson in a couple of LeBron's videos at the dinner table, but Dana Altman, man, this guy just runs the PAC 12 with an iron fist. He will come to your business. He will collect rent. And if you don't have it, he will turn you upside down and shake the change out of your pockets. Like, like a cartoon. That is what Dana Altman is right now in the PAC 12. He's the Don. There is no one better uh, in the conference at recruiting and also coaching. Dana Altman runs that conference. Uh, I, I'm telling you, and he asks you to jump. You, you better say how high. He asks you to walk on water. You ask if he if he wants you to do it without getting your socks wet. That is what Dana Altman is doing right now in the Pac-12. I wonder how long this will last for Dana Altman. I I'm not anti Dana Altman. 
Um, he's proven to be obviously a phenomenal coach. He beats the shit out of Arizona for like five years in a row now. So uh, anything I say against him would be just viewed as biased in that <laughs> at this point. Um, I do think it's very interesting that he's been able to pull like big time recruits because he originally kind of built the program around uh, transfers. What well, was for a number of years, they were kind of like transfer you there. And now they become a producer of a uh, pretty decent NBA talent. Um, I am kind of surprised that he has skirted uh, a number of the issues um, with some of his former players there. Uh, there were those assault charges that that they that was swept under the rug that became a, a non-deal, I guess, there a couple of years ago. Um, and I is remind me, I don't think Dana Altman's super well liked by other coaches. Is that am I wrong? Am I thinking like more Scott Drew here? Probably because he beats their ass. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea I, if I he's mean, well I, liked or not. I, I wouldn't I give a shit I, if I was an Oregon fan. He dominates. No, no, I would no, I wouldn't fucking care at all either. Yeah. So um I guess let me move into my hugs. If I had a hug here, because there's not nothing that's overly specific about uh, that we need to hug here. I guess I would hug the fact that um, or the NCAA or the Supreme Court's decision uh, in, in terms of the um, likeness rules and stuff that are coming up here. Uh, the fact that it wasn't even close, that it was nine to nothing against the NCAA. And uh, I'm pretty, just like you, pretty anti-NCAA anything at this point. So I would have a hug for the fact that at least we've seen some progress in getting through some of the archaic rules that the NCAA has. And that was actually a pretty big story. It wasn't just related to basketball here recently, but that was a, that was probably the biggest college basketball related story we've had this summer. Would you agree? Yeah. Leave it to us to not really cover it, but yeah, I I agree with that. We've discussed it before. Like, the, the further discussion will be if the NCA can act on it or do anything, which we have uh, many more episodes to go to discuss. True. Waiting with bated breath. My hug is for Svi Mikhailuk and Krill Nadiasko. Now you might be wondering who the hell Krill Nadiasko is. Uh, former Arizona player, and I actually hung out with him at a pool party. That is my claim to fame with a D1 athlete and Svee Mikhailuk, former sharpshooter from Kansas. He is on the Oklahoma. Hold on. No, 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 no. Go further. You didn't just hang out with him at a party. Got his number. Yes. There we go. Yes. There we go. Texted him later after the pool party. I think he ghosted me. Yeah. If that, that, that sounds about correct, but why am I giving these two a hug? Because they're the only two Ukrainian basketball players that I know who I'm sure are thrilled with the fact that, the Ukraine is going uh, through in the Euros. They won a magnificent game yesterday. Andrei Shevchenko, who I know you know you played a lot with in FIFA growing up, that that guy was awesome. So how how about I marry uh, this college basketball with a little bit of soccer? And I mean, the shark said international soccer tournaments are a blast. And if you haven't been watching the Euros, you're a clown. But yeah, Svi Mikhailuk, Kirill Nadiasko, hug for you, the Ukraine in the quarterfinals of the Euros. The Euros have been, especially the last two days specifically, the knockout round has been unbelievable. I mean, every game has gone to overtime or to extra time and goals happening in extra time and shootout. Yeah, I don't think, I think you're still underselling your relationship with Creel here, though. 
Well, we'll discuss that next episode, and I can't advocate more for the Euros. You're right. There's no college basketball on. Everyone in the NBA playoffs that matters is injured, it seems like. Hockey, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I guess you could go go for the Habs as the eight seed or whatever. I don't even know how seedings work in hockey. But uh, watch the Euros, and we will catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.
Let's be.